Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Yoga has exploded from an esoteric Eastern practice into a global phenomenon. But how did we get to the yoga we know today? Today, I've got Lucas Rockwood on the show. He's the founder of Yoga Body, and he's here to reveal the origins and evolution of modern Hatha yoga. This was fascinating, and he removed a lot of the mythology around the origins of yoga. Well, at least for me, he did. Lucas also shares some unique insight on how the breath transformed physical poses into potent mind-body training. We also get into a nuanced discussion on where to place yoga in an exercise continuum. This is a fascinating discussion on the history of yoga and its modern practice. So let's get right into it. So let's lean in and learn from the best. What's the difference between Eastern and Western yoga practices? Yeah, you know, I always say that the yoga that most of your listeners are familiar with was born in India, grew up in the West, and has now kind of been reintroduced back to India and around the world. That's kind of the trajectory that it went on. When people say yoga is thousands of years old, they're usually referencing the yoga philosophy and Mm. the ideas of mind and body and union. And there are really old references to the word yoga and to yoga practices and specifically to breathing. You can trace that back pretty far. But in terms of like what people are doing right now, like in Phoenix or Los Angeles or Ontario or, or wherever they are in the world, when they go to Google Maps and they search in yoga, what we're finding are what would be referred to collectively as Hatha yoga. And Ha and Tha is sun and moon, day and night, yang and yin, same idea as we talked about before. And within the world of Hatha yoga, there are three main modalities. And there is yoga poses. These are called asana. There's pranayama, which is breathing practices. And then there are kriyas, which are cleansing practices. And most of these are a little bit freaky, like uh, drinking a couple liters of salt water and vomiting swallowing 10 meters of cloth and pulling it back up to clean your stomach. Oh my god! Kind of like old folk traditions. But some of them are pretty cool and still widely practiced. Some of them include like, if you've seen the old Arnold videos doing like the stomach vacuum that like bodybuilders do, that's a Kriya. We call it Nauli Kriya. There's a sinus cleansing practice called uh, Neti Sutra. And that's uh, Jala Sutra, Neti Sutra. That's still a very common couple of breathing practices. But typically what we're talking about is Hatha Yoga. And the stuff that people find in Google Maps, most of this really has been codified and developed in the past 100 years or so. So 20th century is really when it kind of grew up. And it's really a east-west mix mash of things. But the part about yoga, this is relevant to what we were chatting about previously, the part about yoga that people often miss is the breath. And without the breath, Yoga practice is only kind of interesting. It's sort of like remedial adult gymnastics. And that's fun. I like to flop around on my hands, but I'm as uncoordinated as most clumsy 45-year-olds are. But once you superimpose the breath, then whatever you're doing, whether it's 15 minutes of stretching, an hour-long vinyasa class, a 90-minute heated class, whatever it is, suddenly it becomes this whole nervous system training experience, which is incredibly unique and largely missed, unfortunately, by most audiences. So if you were going to put in an hour of time in terms of health and wellness in a day, there's so many different great things you could do with this, lifting weights or running or rowing, whatever you're into. It's awesome. When you choose yoga, it's really important that you choose an instructor that understands this breath. Otherwise, I don't think it's a great use of your time. But when you integrate the breath 
then you get this really amazing overlay of nervous system training where you're putting your body in what are uncomfortable <laughs> positions and then you're breathing as if you're cool, calm, and collected. And that is just a form of nervous system training that rolls out into your daily life, stress management skills that's very, very visible. Usually within the first couple of weeks, people start to notice the benefits. And of course, there's the body stuff as well. Hmm. Where would you place yoga in the world of exercise? So if you look at like the World Health Organization's classifications of sure. moderate to vigorous physical activity and then total body resistance training, and then I have a third category, which is just activity or movement, yeah. where do you place yoga? Yeah, it's really hard to categorize. So when I first started doing yoga, I always had kind of this science-based bend to things. I was never really into the ethereal I can side tell. of things. But I, um, you know, I strapped a heart rate monitor on myself mm. 20 years ago, and my heart would stay in like a zone two, zone three heart rate zone for like a full 90 minutes. And, you know, I'd do a back bend and I'd be at like 165 beats per minute. So I was really getting like a great cardiovascular workout that changed. And so I guess my answer is it really depends. And it depends on a lot of things, Eric, you know, so if you go to your average big box gym and you look in the window, there's a whole lot of nothing happening. There's a lot of doom scrolling. There's a lot of like YouTube watching. And then you got like five people in there who are just grinding, you know? So it's really difficult to generalize. But for some people, yoga can be a full-on cardiovascular workout, extremely healthful for joints in particular, which especially in the second half of life, as you know, is such a challenge. The one area where I think is lacking for some people is in terms of holding on to muscle mass. It's difficult. You know, you tap out pretty quickly. In any case, fast forward 20 years here, I can't get my heart above 100 beats per minute doing whatever. Because you're more fit. Flop around backwards. Specifically yeah, to the exercise. Effect. It just doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. It just doesn't work. When we talk to people about this, I'm typically like, if you're early in an exercise journey, yeah, it is resistance training with your body weight. And if you have long duration isometric holds, yeah. you are developing isometric strength. But okay. just like anything else, as you become more efficient at the exercise, it's hard to get your heart rate up. And your heart doesn't distinguish between yoga and running and quite totally. frankly, sitting a really hot sauna, it's doing the same mechanical thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really great point. So I guess to answer your question, training effect is really going to depend on where people are in their journey and also which style that they're practicing. So there are very, very demanding styles like Ashtanga, power vinyasa, any kind of heated practice, you get kind of sauna plus isometrics. But I think people really need to figure out where they are in their journey. And if somebody's new to movement, new to fitness, it's a really great option, especially I work with a lot of people who are coming into fitness in the second half of life and their knees and their shoulders and their lower back are just not really ready to pick up a heavy bar or mm -hmm. to go even 5K or 7K. That's a lot in the short term. So maybe in the medium term, it's just a really great entry point. In the longer term, I always encourage people to do whatever of it they like. And so if it's the flexibility thing, like if they're really, really struggling with mobility, grab onto that piece of it. If it's the stress management thing with the breath, grab onto that. If it's the community vibe and you just want to go sweat in a room with a bunch of people on Friday, that's incredibly powerful from all different mind-body perspective. So I'm not a purist anymore. I, I encourage mm -hmm. people to pick and choose whatever works for them, but it really is dependent on where people are in their journey. Like, you know, you know, training effects, somebody's brand new to fitness, they might get on a 5% incline treadmill and they're, they might be in a, like a solid zone two workout, you know, that, that can be a really, that can be an amazing option for people. So 
What led to this transition personally from being a purist, as you say, to more having a, I could say a holistic or generalistic approach to health and wellness? I think it's just age and maturity. And I think so. You know, when I started practicing yoga too, it was still a very weird thing. And <laughs> there was a yoga person, a very yeah. specific type of yoga person. You could usually see him coming. It was usually me with like dangly earrings and beads around my neck and things like this. And so, you know, we had like our own little belief systems and the places we went to and the places we traveled to and the books we read and the teachers we followed. And uh, I don't know, things changed. The yoga market really just went mainstream. Yeah. And only good things happened, really. More people got into it, more science, less woo, a lot more accessibility to different types of people, different ages. When I practiced, we were all like really young and mm. now there's all ages and it's a really great sustainable practice. And so I think like anything, you know, you go from strict dogma, assuming that like everyone should run 40K a week or die. And then you realize, okay, the injury rate's pretty high. We better look at some cross training options. I think everybody sort of falls in as people go deeper and deeper, I think sort of broadening your fitness lens, whether it's diet or exercise or whatever, I think it's kind of a natural direction that people go. Yeah, I see a lot of things differently now, especially they have kids and time demands yeah. are different. And so you just try to fit things in that work for you. Before you go today, I just want to take a moment to tell you how much I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for going on this journey with me. I appreciate the feedback and the encouragement. This is such a wonderful privilege to be able to share these amazing guests with you and this information as I grow and you grow along with me. Thanks again for listening. And I'll catch you on the next episode.